Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 152, and we're talking about visiting Iguazu Falls. Yeah, and that's what we've been up to for the last week. Um, I mean, we left you last time, we were sitting in the back steps of um, Lee's house in Salta, and um, enjoying uh, her family's hospitality, and then from there we went wine tasting, which is what we tend to do. We do like doing that, yeah. We worked out recently that we've gone wine tasting in 12 countries, and we intend to make that more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you live in a wine-producing region, then get in touch. <laughs> Mail at IndieTravelPodcast.com. So yeah, so we, we hired a car, and we went down to Cafeati and Kachi, and then back up to Salter, and we visited five or six wineries along the way, and it was really cool. Although we found it interesting that most of the wineries only let us taste their lowest kind of level of wine. They did a tour, one of them did a tour, told us all about wine production, which was really interesting. And then let us try their four cheapest wines, which were 14 pesos each, which was about, I don't know, $7, $6, $7, which is yeah, a, about the cheapest wine we'd ever buy in New Zealand. So it was weird. It was. And they had this whole other range that they wouldn't let us try. And if we'd tried it, we probably would have bought it. Yeah, I mean, the one place that let us try um, their expensive wine, I think it came in at 90 pesos, uh-huh. and we ended up buying a bottle of that because yeah. it actually tasted good. It was so good. Um, so it was a bit of a... A disappointment in terms of wine tasting, but the region's beautiful, and um, yeah, I don't know, but I don't know what you have to do to taste their good wines. We asked at several places, and we couldn't even pay to taste them. Yeah. Um, I think we could have paid, but I think we had to do a different tour. It was going to be more time. Yeah, we had to go on an organized tour, and who wants to do that? So, Ah. So after that, we went back up to Salter and then hopped on a bus to Puerto Guasu. It was long and not too painful. I think I actually managed to sleep on that one, so that was good. Yeah, that was a good bus recommendation, actually. Who did we travel with? I can't remember. I don't know. They, you know, it was some of the nicest food we've had on our South American bus. Um, it came with uh, came with wine, and then everyone got a nightcap. So there was yeah. Tia Maria or whiskey on the on the go to help you get to sleep. It was really good, and uh-huh. the, the hostie was really lovely as well. She was very nice. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's let's dig out the the tickets and put that in the show notes. Sure. Um, probably of the the bus travel in South America, or maybe leave a comment on that and yeah, definitely and sort that out. Cool. So this week we're talking about our experiences at Iguazu Falls um, because it's really interesting. You know, you've yeah. got two sides of the falls. There's um, viewing opportunities from Brazil, which is in the west, and viewing opportunities from Argentina, which is in the east. So you've got these two distinct um, experiences of yeah. the same thing, both culturally and in terms of what you see. But before we get into it, this episode of the Intertravel Podcast is brought to you by worldnomads.com. Worldnomads.com provides great value global travel insurance. You can buy, extend, and claim online, even if you're already traveling. And all policyholders also get free travel blogs, safety advice, and language guides for your iPod. Worldnomads.com. Keep traveling safely. Porto Iguazu. Yeah, well, we arrived in Porto Iguazu in the middle of the day, so we spent quite a lot of time trying to find a hostel. And... Although we were kind of grumpy because we'd been on a bus for so long, we managed to find something we were really happy with, which was called Stop Hostel, or Stop Hotel Suites, or something like that. Mm. And it had Wi-Fi, and it was nice, came with breakfast, and it wasn't too full of people. Another one we looked at was just a huge, huge complex with four, I think I only had four levels, but it just seemed so expansive and so big, and just with yeah. so many rooms, and I it was think, really loud as well. I think there may be sister hostels or... I mean, they do some some things together. Yeah. So I think maybe they're owned by the same company. Um, che Legarte. 
Yeah. There's the a big chain of kind of party backpacker hostels right oh, throughout wow. the place. We walked in and we're um, like, this is not for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, the music at Stop Hostel wasn't for us either. Oh my was, goodness, the music. It, it, it varied. It was incredible. We went from power ballads. We were looking around for chicken. We have a bit of a joke between the the four of us about um, there's this place in London where we always used to go to have chicken and they always played power ballads, so power ballads and chicken go together. Sometimes they'd play really, really soppy Spanish music and sometimes it would be hip-hop. And And sometimes it would be ridiculous, like, um, kind of mock rock kind of stuff. Um, It was was interesting and loud, but apart from that, the hostel was, uh, was good and, yeah, it was... It was nice, modern, clean. Yeah. So anyway, Puerto Grasso itself isn't that big, really. Um, no. And I think it's about 10% hostels. Yeah. There's not actually that much to do there. I mean, we wandered around trying to find things to do, and there was like a, a house, big house made out of tree trunks, and it wasn't that exciting. But I think the main people go there is to go to the falls. So that's what everything's based around. All mm. the hostels do tours. We looked into doing things independently because, as you know, we're the Indie Travel Podcast. But it just, with four of us, it just didn't seem logical to pay. I think it was going to cost us $10, 10, 10 pesos to get from our hostel to the Argentinian side of the falls. And there was, a, I think it cost us 15 to do an organized transfer. So we went with that. Same with the Brazilian side. Well, actually, the Brazilian side was the one we went to first because we arrived and we were a bit groggy and the Brazilian tour left at 10, whereas the one to the Argentinian side left at 9, and we're that lazy. So, um, yeah, we looked into going... Um, to the Brazilian side by bus, but we would have had to take three buses. One bus to the border, where we'd do our border formalities. The bus wouldn't f- wait for us, so we'd have to get off that bus, get on another bus, which would take us to Foz de Iguazu, and then on another bus to go to the falls. And we decided, no. So there was an organised transfer, which worked out about 10 pesos more expensive than doing all that really frustrating, long kind of experience. So we, um, we decided to go with that. So it was really easy. Yeah, and um, I guess that would be definitely be our recommendation. Um, for the minuscule amount more money you're paying, you do save a lot of time. So what what do you think about the Brazilian side of the falls? Walk us through your, your first experiences and, and what you thought. Well, we, did, we had a transfer, so we hopped in the car with Susanna, our guide, and she took us through and helped us with the border crossing, which wasn't hard at all, and dropped us off at the entrance. So we, we had a bit of a mission because we didn't have any realities. We had, I think, five that my dad had given me which works out to about three dollars so that wasn't going to help us very much so we had to find some money we tried to pay to get in with um with credit cards but we couldn't for some reason we had to have a certain type of credit card and our visa debits didn't work out so and janine couldn't remember her um pin number and Ange didn't have a pin number on hers so it just wasn't going to work but we managed to withdraw money um and there weren't any atm fees which was very nice of them and yeah we just paid by cash so i think it was was it 37 reales per person which worked out to about 28 new zealand dollars which was i thought was quite reasonable it's yeah it's a good price and that's something we found right throughout the brazilian side things were were reasonably priced it wasn't i mean it's a closed environment so it's really easy to to hike up prices and rip people off but um we found it didn't feel like they were doing that yeah empanadas cost four reales or something like that and we we had lunch for 10 and it just it was Possibly a little bit more expensive, but there was a good range of food. There were coffees. It was everything we needed, and it didn't feel like we were, you know, being McDonaldized. Yeah. So that was really good, yes. which was a surprise because we'd done a bit of research before we left, and I think I'd been looking at the Argentinian information, which said, oh, everything's really expensive. Take your own picnic. And, you know, it's, it's bland, it's boring, and it's expensive. 
which is exactly what we found on the Argentinian side, but we did not find that on the Brazilian side. So you can definitely just plan to, to buy your food on that side. Mm. So what happens is you go through this big kind of gateway um, building where they've got the ticket sales information maps and uh, souvenir shop, and then you go and um, jump on a bus. Mm-hmm. And the bus takes you up for quite some time you really don't want to you don't want to be be walking this route um so you jump on the bus with everyone else and you go up and there's several stops along the way um from memory the first one's a safari park the next one um starts a walkway along the falls walking towards them um and there's a a big pink hotel there which kind of becomes a a good navigating point Uh because you're just surrounded by jungle with a few trails off the side so the big pink hotel is helpful to know which stop you're at yeah um and then there's possibly one more stop before the the final stop where the buses turn around and go back now most people got off at the stop opposite the big pink hotel and started doing the walk along the falls what we decided to do was to go all the way up to the final stop where the falls fall i guess and then uh we walked back away from from the falls and i think this was really good number one we were amongst maybe 10 people that were still on the bus to go all the way to the top and probably about 40 or 50 people got off at the um you know at the the primary stop so it was a lot less crowded immediately um so we got up there and we had a look over the falls you're you're standing at the the top end of the river and watching the falls kind of drop down in front of you which is a really cool view yeah so it was great and there weren't that many people around so then we had time to um to grab some coffees to to take away and um and begin our walk downstream yeah and it also meant most people are coming from the other direction and they buy their ponchos and they they use them and then they get up to the top and like, I've got this poncho. So we actually got given ponchos because we were on the way down, which was great because you really need a poncho. And on the Brazilian side, they're not too expensive. So you can actually just buy them there. That's fine. And they've got um, Iguazu Falls brandings. It might be a quite a good souvenir, actually. Mm. But we got given these free ones and we were so grateful for them because shortly after we'd seen our, we, we went from the top. We went down a little bit, saw the falls, t- um, took some photos. Then we caught a lift down to the bottom of the, one of the falls. And we went out on a walkway. So you're basically right under the falls and it's soaking. You just get so wet. So it's a good idea to have a poncho and maybe waterproof trousers and waterproof shoes and make sure your bag is covered as well. <laughs> yeah, if um I mean take your camera gear, definitely. Take your take your camera, take your video gear. But um if you've got one of those underwater kits for your camera, it might be a good idea to actually use it. use it or bring it with you, because when you go out um, onto the midpoint of the falls and there's all this spray around you and there's mist soaking you you're going to get drenched and so there were lots of people kind of looking very concerned at their cameras when yeah. they came up because you want to take photos of this amazing powerful totally mass of water it's an amazing experience and um yeah you you want to capture it but then there are all these people looking very concerned at their cameras <laughs> afterwards yeah i saw someone with a um their camera in a plastic bag and they just cut a hole to put the lens through. Ah, that's clever. Yeah, that's it was quite a good idea. The, the budget underwater kit. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. quite a good idea. Smooth. So, yeah, walking walking down from there, I mean, it's just nice. You're walking along with, um, if you walk the direction we did, you've got bush on your right and these amazing views of the falls, which I'm going to struggle to explain, so you just have to wait a couple of months until I get <laughs> my new laptop and the uh, the next series of videos comes out. It was amazing. 
one negative about walking the direction we did was that we had to keep kind of looking back to see the falls. So if we'd been walking from the other direction, we would have been walking towards them. And every time we turned a corner, we'd have the view. But that was fine. We just stopped a lot and, and made sure we checked it out. Yeah. One thing I really liked was that we kept coming across Kuwait, Kuwait How do you say that? Kotis. Kotis. Little um, kind of... Rodents. Rodents. No, I think they might yeah. be most superheroes, aren't they? Ah, are they? I don't know. No. Anyway. If you've seen The Princess Bride... You know the the guy in the guy in the the creature suit, the R O U S, the rodent of unusual size. Just shrink that down until it's about the size, size of, of yeah, until it's about halfway up your shin, and um, that's kind of what they look like. And they kind of waddled in that way as well. It's like <laughs> wow, maybe Jim Henson's Creature Workshop didn't stuff up majorly in the Princess Bride. <laughs> but there weren't there weren't any um, fire swamps, so it's a bit disappointing. <laughs> So that was cool, and our only real experience of um, of wildlife on the Brazilian side. So yeah, our tour was supposed to leave at 10, it got us there at 10.30, and we were supposed to be picked up at 2, but we asked our driver to pick us up a bit later, because we didn't even get out of the Brazilian side until about 3, 3.30. Yeah, and then we, no, it was, it was, it was 2.30, 2:30. It was 2:30. and then we wanted to go and see the bird park, which is next door. It was just across the and, road. And um, that's highly recommended. It was it, great was 25 reals maybe per person 2025 and um yeah just an amazing collection of birds housed in in good conditions they have lots of and um yeah and they've got some some weird stuff like a cassowary from australia and i I saw this bird i'm like that's a cassowary and everyone's like no it's not no it's not we're in a south american wildlife park and sure enough near the end they've got exotic birds and (laughs) It's after, so weird that a cassowary is an exotic bird. It's like after, yeah. After a toucan's tried to bite off your little toe, um, ex- exotic birds are around. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's so weird to wander around the Brazilian wildlife park where everything's exotic and everything's different, yeah. and then you get somewhere where it's like, ah, oh, it's a cassowary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was an experience. Yeah, Craig almost got his toe bitten off. Um, those toucans were vicious, man, and Ange <laughs> yeah. got shat on by an enormous bird. There was so much poo. That it was, was yeah. impressive. So, yeah, keep an eye out above while you're doing the walk in Avery's. We'd better move on and talk about the Argentinian side before we kind of run out of time on this show or before our voices give out. <laughs> We've both got colds and yeah. you'll probably hear us croaking away a bit. Well, the Argentinian side, the tour left at 9 o'clock. Well, the transfer left at 9 o'clock and picked us up at 5 o'clock. And you really did need all that time. In fact, Ange and I were running to get back to the bus in time. Because there's a lot to see on the Argentinian side. There's lots of walkways. Most people, basically, we arrived, we paid, we went in, and we bought really, really expensive ponchos. They were shocking. We were really surprised at how much more expensive everything was on the Argentinian Mm. side. It really, really is a tourist trap. And what's interesting was that there were hundreds, if not thousands, more tourists on that side. So I really felt like we were being shunted along just in in a tourist train. It was I really didn't like it. I really yeah, liked the views of the falls, but I felt so oppressed. It was, yeah, it felt quite quite constricting. You're in this beautiful natural environment, and you've got an old woman behind you, kind of running into you know yeah. running into your back, and you can't move forward because the guy in front of you stopped to take a photo, and yeah. it, it just it was awful. It did. Our, our first experiences were were quite negative because of this. Yeah. So once again, there's there's a gateway building, and you you pay and you grab a map. Um, and then you 
we walk through like a, a pavilion of shops, souvenir shops, restaurants, which goes on for about five minutes. And then you've got the option to um, to jump on a train. They've got a gas-powered train that takes you up to a station. Or if you turn right, you avoid most of the crowds and you get a nice 10-minute bushwalk that kind of cuts the corner and yeah. uh, takes you up to the same station. Yeah, there's, there's three stations. There's a first station, there's a middle station, and there's the end station. And there's two trains, which basically just shunt back and forth. So if you do t- decide to take the first train, you have to get off at the middle station and get on the other train because there's only one line, so they can't pass each other. So we decided just to avoid that altogether and walked to the uh, middle station where we hopped on the train. It took quite a long time to wait for the train to arrive, and that took us to the end station. On the way back, though, we decided just to walk all the way back. And that was a really pleasant walk along the side of the river, so that was a good idea as well. At the end station, that's where the uh, Devil's Throat walkway is, and it's a really long walkway. It's a good 15 minutes, especially if you're walking behind 16 tour groups. Yeah. But um, it's a really beautiful walk out over the, the river, which is really quite wide at this point. And then you get to the end, and you're standing right on the top of the falls. The falls are falling under the walkway, and it's beautiful. It's just it's so impressive. The falls just power down. And especially because of all the rains that we've had, that Brazil's had recently, which were terrible, um, the falls are very high, so they're even more impressive at the moment. Yeah, it was it was stunning. I mean, for all the the annoyance of getting out there, um, we spent maybe about half an hour out on the edge. Yeah. And um, there were times when the, the, the two kind of platforms at the end were... Packed. I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, I was going to say they there were, were, packed. There were times move. when you couldn't move and there were times when they were relatively deserted, yeah. by which I mean there were only about three dozen people yeah. out there and that felt but there's like there was space. space. There's a lot of space there. It's not like only five people fit. There's lots of space there, so you can fit kind of 200 people. But yeah, the problem was that they were fitting 200 people. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, amazing. Um, there were lots of different just, views because quite a long um, viewing platform. And so you can stand on the edge and kind of watch the falls fall under you. And you can also walk to a different edge and kind of look back on it. Mm. And it was just amazing watching the, the falls fall and then the spray coming up kind of in waves. I found that really incredible. Yeah, it was just fantastic. I mean, we I'm just trying to move things on a bit because we've only got a couple of minutes left of the recording. Um, we walked back and um, there's toilets and a little cafe at the edge of the walkway. And from there, instead of catching the train back, we decided to walk back. And that, I think, was a really good choice. It was, it was really pleasant. It was there were quiet. no tourists. We, we passed a few small groups of people walking, but it wasn't like your 40-person group following a flag yeah, um, or an and getting getting shouted at by the tour guide. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot more peaceful than Definitely. catching the train back. And, um, you know, it's all flat. It's not a hard walk. So we got there... there from um, there, there were two choices. We could do the upper walkway or the lower walkway, and we did both. The upper walkway is probably only about half an hour, and it was gorgeous. It's, you're, again, above the falls, and so you can see some beautiful views from there. You don't get wet at all. The lower walkway is maybe 45 minutes, and you can... Uh, probably more than that. Uh, from the top, from the point where you walk down from the upper walkway, maybe an hour. It depends on how fast you walk and how many times you stop and take photos. So you can do it faster, of course. Yeah. But that's the one where you do get wet. If you want to, you could probably avoid it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you could could quite easily avoid it by... Um, yeah, there's a few options where you can walk kind of under a waterfall or walk around it. And yeah. there's a terminal point where you're standing out with 
I don't know, a horseshoe of waterfalls around you. And, um, and you can choose to run out and you can, photo taken. Everyone was kind of running out and doing a power pose in the spray and then um, running kind of running, running back in again. So that was that was really good fun. But you yeah. could, you, I think you can do the Brazilian side, sorry, the Argentinian side, completely dry. So yeah. buying those um, 25 peso ponchos was city. unnecessary. I think one of the best things that I liked about the Argentinian side had nothing to do with the Iguazu Falls. We went for a walk off to one side in the national park, in the park, but it was nowhere near any waterfalls. Well, it actually went to a waterfall, but that waterfall wasn't very impressive. But that's where we saw all the wildlife. We saw coatis, we saw monkeys, they were cool. We saw a tarantula, we saw some enormous ants. Oh, it was just incredible. It was, it was great. And some, um, we saw some of the, the bush the chickens yeah. and like things we had seen in the wildlife park, the aviary, the day yeah. before, or two days before. We, um, yeah, we saw there again. And it was interesting because there was almost no one on the path. I think we saw about 20 people during the whole kind of, mm. was it an hour, hour and a half walk? And it was really nice just to be away from the crowds after <laughs> yeah. the hordes and hordes we'd been, been seeing. Yeah, it was really good. Well, I guess we're going to write up in more detail our experiences of the Brazilian and Argentinian yep. side of the falls. That'll be in our travel diary. And with the uh, the show notes here, we'll put together um, kind of our, our top tips. So anything that we've forgotten that we managed to brainstorm over the next um, couple of hours, we'll we'll get those in the show notes. So come check them out at IndieTravelPodcast.com. Before we finish up today, I want to say thanks to one of our volunteer workers, Judy. Judy's been working with us for... I don't know, about three months now, uh-huh. and she's been finding and sourcing a lot of the photos that you see on the website. So, um, you know, a writer might submit an article and then we need to find photos to, to make it pretty for you. Judy's been doing a lot of that work for us over the last few months while we've been mainly offline. Yeah, so, it's been um, incredible. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you so much for your help, and um, yeah, it's been really appreciated. Finally, before we go, we'd like to thank our sponsor again and tell you about a great initiative they've set up. At worldnomads.com, you can also support a Footprints community development project when you purchase your travel insurance online. Worldnomads.com. Keep traveling safely. And if you come to IndieTravelPodcast.com, you'll see an insurance link at the top, and that's got a write-up of some of our experiences with World Nomads, and um, we also get a commission if you buy using the links there, so that would be greatly appreciated. You can also visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash audiobook for a free audiobook from Audible.com, with over 75,000 professionally produced titles to choose from. It's really awesome. We love them because it's a great place to get audiobooks that you can listen to when you're on a, a long train or a long flight or something like that. Or even a long South American bus journey. Yeah, it's like perfect. <laughs> oh, because if you, can't read, if you can't read while you're traveling, like a lot of people can't sit down and read a book. Like Craig is nauseous. Yeah, I get I'm really right. nauseous. But it's so good because you can listen, but you can still see the views and you don't feel sick. Yep, that's all good. So yeah, go go pick up a free audiobook and try that out. IndieTravelPodcast.com slash audiobook. Right, well I think that's pretty much us for this week. So until next week, travel well.